be. Turn in your Bibles while you're you're listening to me. First Peter, the book of First Peter. First Peter chapter five. Brother Jimmy called me a week ago yesterday. And uh, I hadn't been up. Well, I've been up quite a while, but I just I'm not up until I get my cup of coffee in my hand. Uh, so in that aspect, I had not been up too long. Uh, but uh, I, I had a cup of coffee in my hand. The only thing I took the first sip of. Walked out on my porch. He, he called, and I walked out on my porch, phoning one hand, coffee in the other. And uh, he said, "We chatted for just a moment, and he was telling me that." In the service a night or two before, he was uh, just thinking about the need for an invitation song, urging people not to go to hell. And while a preacher was preaching one night before, just before he sung for invitation, God gave him a little course. He wrote it down. He said, "I want to sing it for you and tell you what I think. What you, tell me what you think about it." And he started to sing. And as soon as he started to sing, there was I would say cold chills, but it wasn't cold chills. It was the Lord went up one side of my body uh, and come down the other side of my body. And by the time he get done, got done, I couldn't even drink my coffee. Uh, he had me so tore up, and uh, the Lord was on that. But uh, that's obvious, and we're so thankful, Brother Jimmy, that the Lord brought you and Miss Ashley this way. If you will, stand with us this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be very short because I want to tell you a couple things that happened. Uh, number one, God knows our needs, and there's no doubt that uh, even Friday night, God began working to lead us to this place this morning where we're at here. Uh, but... I have a message in my heart that on Isaiah 6, I hope I get to preach it someday, but it's been on my heart for probably a month now. I have a place in my Bible, a little piece of paper where I, I wrote down uh, that, that, that particular thought uh, that God gave me on Isaiah 6, knowing I was going to preach it. I've studied for it for over three weeks. It's in my heart. And, I, and homiletically, Brother Jimmy, any, uh, any homiletics class or professor would give me an A because it's thought through. It's, it, I have my points and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but this morning, God's just taken that away from me and He's led me here to First Peter uh, 5. And, and I don't even know really what I have this morning, just a bunch of thoughts God's laid on me. Uh, I would surely, if I stood before professors, fail. Uh, but I'm not standing before them. I'm standing before one much greater uh, that I have to give an account to. So I'm just going to share my heart, and I'll be very brief. I've got a funeral to go to here in just a little while, uh, so we'll be very brief as to what God has, has given us and laid on us. First Peter 5, uh, verse 7. I want you to think about this thought, if you will. And we've preached here before, I know, but uh, God has led us uh, back here again. This one verse is not particularly a verse to be just taken right out of place, out of its context. The context is very important. Time will not allow me to preach all of the context, but I want this one verse to settle in your heart. Uh, I want you to glean and gather uh, what God has, has given us and put in our heart. I'm not trying to be brief, to be fast and get out of here, uh, but I believe God's doing a work already uh, in your heart. Think on this thought, uh, He cares for you. Now it amazes me that that God cares for the sinners of the world, that He cares for, uh, that He cares for the drug addict, He cares for the alcoholic, uh, He cares for the uh, the divorcee, He cares for the missionary, He cares for the soloist, He cares for the the preacher, He cares for little children around the world, He cares for the hungry, the hurting, the helpless, the hopeless. That all just amazes me at our God. But when I look at me, and I know me, and He knows me better than I know me, and I look in the mirror and I see that 
that He cares for me. That moves my heart today. And so, I want you to look at 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon Him. Casting all your care upon Him, the Lord Jesus. Why? For He careth for you. You say, preacher, do you mean, I, I know God loves me, but preacher, do you mean He's interested in the details of my life? You, you mean He's interested in the big things going on and He's interested in the smallest of things taking place? Do you mean that He would move heaven and earth just to minister to my needs and pay attention to me and focus on me and love me and, 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 and come to me? Yes, that's what this verse says. He loves you. So it's a, it's a wonderful thought to know, John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world. Now that's a moving thought. Uh, but to look in the mirror and look at yourself and look at your life and to know that God loves you. God loves me. You may be seated. May God add blessings to the reading of His Word. Let me, let me say this today. He's speaking of our cares in this passage of Scripture. And you know this from the preaching of this text, but that word care, it literally means... Now listen, it literally means worry or anxiety. Somebody once said that, uh, that anxiety is the great modern plague. But faith can cure anxiety. Somebody else said that uh, anxiety is the stream, it's, it's a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind. And uh, if it's encouraged, uh, it cuts a channel uh, that allows all other thoughts, all other cares uh, to be sucked away in that channel that anxiety and, and worry has created in our mind. We live in a time that is very troubled. I know some of this I mentioned last night, but we live in a time that's very troubled. The enemy is working greatly. I'm glad I can say that God's working greatly too in this day and time. But the enemy, his job is to divide. His job is to distract. His job is to discourage the saints of God. We've got as many people depressed and discouraged and anxious and worried inside of God's house uh, as there are in the world. Maybe Chris mentioned that uh, the other day. Preacher friends that I have are consumed with anxieties and worries. Now I know there's extremes on all of this. I know there's one crowd, they don't care about anything. Honey, the child's picked up an adder. Oh, don't worry, they'll be all right. Darling, you little youngins out in the interstate, out in the playing in the middle of the interstate, oh, no big deal, they're just kids, they'll be all right running around out there. So I know they, some people, they don't care about anything. And then I know on the other extreme, there's people who, who will shut themselves up in a house and not leave that house because they believe the sky is falling. They, they believe everything's going to happen and it's going to happen to them and it's going to happen all at once and, and, and all of this comes upon them. But then there are those who are just in the middle of the road. Those who love God and love Him and who are the called according to His purpose, trying to yield your life fully and completely to Him, but some anxiety or some worry has crept inside of your mind. I would say your heart, but remember the battlefield is the mind. 
And so if the devil can make you worry about this or he can make you worry about that, if he can distract you with thoughts of worry and and anxious thoughts and thoughts of anxiety, then he can keep you in that one place and all of your energy and all of your efforts and all of your time will be drained into that one thin channel that anxiety has created inside of your heart. I read some statistics that said this, that, 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 pe- that people who are anxious and worry, now listen, people who are anxious and that worry often, that 40% of their anxiety is about things that will never happen. 40%. That 30% is about things in their past that they can't do anything about. That 12% is things they worry and are anxious about criticism by others that's mostly not even true. 10% they worry about their health, which only gets worse with worry. And 8% have anxiety, 8% have anxiety over real problems that will be faced. Do you get those numbers? What those numbers are telling us is that 92% of all of our anxieties are needless. That only 8% of our worries are anxieties about things that will actually be faced in our lifetime. My goodness, that's, that's humbling to know that and to, and to even think about that. But this text here, this text of the Lord shows us, casting all of your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. I was thinking about a preacher friend of mine a moment ago as uh, Brother Jimmy and Miss Ashley were singing. And my preacher friend, he pastored this church. It was a very traditional Baptist church. And when I say traditional, what I mean is is that there was a certain group of people in the church that controlled the church and they had rule of the church. And I mean, they didn't want a pastor to lead. They wanted a preacher to preach so they could lead and have their hands on the, the, the helm, so to speak, so they could run the show. And he come into this church, which at one time had been kind of an uptown church in years gone by. And they started seeing people saved, Brother Jimmy, and, and the people they saw saved, it wasn't people from the upside of town. Uh, it was people from the underside of town. It was drug addicts, and it was alcoholics, and it was people from the streets. In fact, they had so many people saved uh, one time. They had so many from this one certain crowd saved one time that one of these, this crowd's old buddies got out of jail. And when he got out of jail, he come and he got saved because he said when he got out of jail, he said he didn't have any of his buddies to run around with. They had all been saved and started going to this church. So God started moving in a mighty way, and this little crowd didn't like that. And so they said, here's what we'll do. We're going we're gonna to starve the preacher out. They said, we're going we're gonna to quit tithing and quit giving. We're going to cut his pay. They started going to the parsonage and inspecting this, the parsonage, trying to find a reason to kick him out. His oil barrel needed to be filled because winter was coming and he had a family to support. They said, we're not going to fill that oil barrel up if you're going to do it. If you want heat, you'll have to fill it up yourself. And they tried their best to hang him. And I mean, just were mean and went out of their way. God help them. Every one of them will probably die and go to hell because no saved man, no born-again man would ever really do that. And so finally, the, the preacher, he saw the, he saw the trouble and, and the problems and he saw they weren't leaving. And so God moved him on and he... Long story short, he, he knew God wasn't done with him in that community, and he left the first Sunday and went and, and met in, a, uh, met, met in a, somebody's house in, in 89, the, near the whole church. 90% of the church left with him. And he didn't ask one of them to come, not a one of them. 
Uh, but I started thinking about him a minute ago, how they, uh, they tried to starve him out and push him out and press him out and, and make him homeless. And I started thinking while Jimmy was singing, I wonder if he's thought, and I know he has, but I started thinking, that man of God never missed a meal. His family never went without. I mean, they never slept out on the streets. It was no matter of care that God didn't care for them. Let me tell you something, God's going to care for His children, whether it be the preacher or the saint on the back pew or the one that's here on work days and Wednesday nights. Why? Because God, He cares for you. He cares for you. And He says, casting all of your care upon Him. That word casting, here's what it means. It, it, the tense of that literally means not a once and for all type casting. Somebody says, well, bless God, uh, you, they just need to lay it on the Lord. Just lay it down and get rid of it. But what it means is, is every day there's going to be anxieties and there's going to be worries and there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be things that burden our heart. And so every day in a continual manner we come and we lay it on Him. We come and we lay it on Him. Not the same thing every day, uh, but once and for all laying that particular thing down only to take tomorrow's new anxieties and bring them to the Lord and lay it upon Him again. Casting all of our care. That word care literally means to draw in different directions. You ever feel like you're going crazy? You ever feel like that? Because life's pulled you in a mess. That's what that word care means. And where, where worry and anxiety comes from. And the Bible says, for he careth uh, for you. Uh, literally, that word careth, it means, uh, it means the, uh, an object of care uh, or interest. Would you know, as I stand here at this time, would, could you ever believe that God takes you and all that you are and all that you have been and all you ever can be and He's made you an object of His attention. He's made you an object of His, of, of, of His love. He's made you an object of His care. The problem is, is we don't want the care of God because we want to handle our problems ourselves. It's almost as if, God, I trust you. You're so big, I trust you to get my soul out of hell. But God, when it comes to the details of life, I can't trust you with all these small things. I can't trust you with my health. I can't trust you with my power bill. I can't trust you with my anxiety. I can't trust you with my worries. I can't trust you with my discouragements and my depressions. I trust you to get my soul out of hell and to make heaven my home. But with all of these other details, God, let me keep my hands on it. I think I got it under control. And that brings those anxieties. That brings those worries to our heart. We try to put our hands upon our own life. And here's what happens. Now listen. Here's what happens. And this is indeed the case with some of you. Our, the things, if we're not careful, the things that consume us soon become who we are. Or we become what they are, I should say. Our identity then becomes wrapped up in our worries and in our anxieties. My, I told you before, I think, I can't remember, but my papa, when he used to work for the state, he was running a, uh, a track hoe one day, Ira, and he, uh, he dug out, must have been early in the spring or something, but he dug out a big snake that was frozen. It was, it was, uh, uh, it was cold and it was lifeless. And there was a man running around the job site who had an old duckback coat on, an old duckback coat. It's got a game liner on the inside of that thing, and he had had that coat off for a little while because he had got hot working. My papa took that snake and he put it inside that man's duckback coat. And my papa said that all the men on the job knew that it, that had happened, and he kept watching that man and that snake inside of that coat. 
Brother Jimmy, it started warming up from the warmth of that man when that man put that coat back on. It got up next to his body and it started warming up. And it, was, and it wasn't before long that snake come back to life, you might say, or revive, come out of hibernation. And it started moving and crawling around in that man's coat. And the man went across the job site trying to get away from it. And he couldn't get away from it. You don't just reach in a duck back coat and, and grab something and pull it out. It's kind of a wrestling match even with a, a dead squirrel or a rabbit uh, stuck in there. But here's this snake squirming around and this man running around uh, the job site and he couldn't get away from it. And that's the way it is with our, with our anxieties and our troubles and our worries. We, uh, we, if we're not careful, it becomes something we can't get away from. And all of our identity is wrapped up in that. But listen to me, let me tell you something. Who I am is not based upon my worries and my anxieties and the thoughts that consume me. Who I am is what I am in Christ. In Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I am cleansed. In Christ, I am holy. In Christ, I have been redeemed. In Christ, I am secure. In Christ, I have a future. In Christ, I am a promise of God. In Christ, I am victorious. So who I am is not based upon what I'm going through or what I have to bear every day in my body, but who I am in Christ is not defeated but delivered. Not a victim, but a victor in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did on Calvary's hill. Casting all of your care upon Him for He careth for you. Well, I can't help but to see, the Bible says, casting all of your care. The problem is, is this, when we do come, we only bring our care in small parts. Lord, I'll, I'll give you this measure of my problem, my, this measure of my worry, this measure of my anxiety, but if I can, Lord, I, I just want to keep my hands on it. And I want to take most of it back with me so I can meddle with, with these affairs. But I'll acknowledge you are God and I'll, I'll make some kind of effort to come and bring it. To the, and if we by chance are moved by the invitation song and the, the invitation given by the pastor, then what we do is, is we'll bring it and lay it down only to finish our prayer and pick it all back up again and carry it right back home with us just like we come. So the struggle that we laid down and got loosed from in the altar during invitation time, we end up going home with once again. Only tomorrow morning to face the same battle. To face the same battle. A preacher friend of mine, his daughter got critically ill. I can't even remember all the details of it, but he was in a very successful ministry, Brother Jimmy. God bless, has blessed everything he's ever laid his hands to. And his teenage daughter become critically ill, and she, she got so much so low that she come uh, very close to the point of death. And it was one of those deals where they couldn't exactly tell, uh, tell, uh, tell what, they couldn't determine what all was wrong with her. Uh, and uh, he, it had him distraught. They, they, they was afraid he, he already, his wife, when she was 28 years old, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she had already went through breast cancer and become a cancer survivor when she was just 28. They'd already been through difficulties and valleys uh, and uh, plenty of discouragement. Now it seemed as if God was going to take his teenage daughter. And I remember him telling me, we, I, me and a preacher friend of mine went over there to see him because we, we thought this was it, that that daughter would die, and we wanted to be by by his side, and we went in and visited with him, and he steps out in the hallway, and, and right across from the hallway, there was this uh, closet, uh, like a janitor's closet, and he started, I, we, I asked how he was, he started sharing his heart that he had never been through anything like that, he had never been as low as he had ever been, and, and, and he was just at a loss. 
I said, well, how are you today? Are you going to make it today? And he said, I'm okay today. I said, what's different today? He said, because, he said, he said, the other night, he said, this got so heavy on me. He said, I, he said, I went in that closet right over there. And he said, I literally, he says, the janitor's closet, it runs, it runs deep inside of that little room, preacher. And he said, I went inside that closet, and he said, I got down and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I said, well, you must have had some kind of breakthrough. God's, God's helped you. I said, what would you do? He said, well, he said, when I come out of the closet that night, he said, my wife was in there asleep in the bedside beside our daughter. And he said, when I come out of the closet that night, he said, I left her there. He said, I left her there with the Lord. And he said, I've not picked her back up again. And listen to me, it was at that place that there was a turning point in the heart of that little girl, in the body of that little girl. And to this day, I don't even know if they could uh, tell all what was wrong with her. Some kind of respiratory infection that they had no answer for, that they had no cure for. But God, day by day, began to, ha- to begin to heal her and mend her. And today, she's a vibrant teenage girl being a witness for Christ inside of the, the school and the peers uh, that she's around. Why? Because one day he knew that he couldn't carry it around any longer, that he couldn't worry with it, but he had to cast all of his cares all of his cares, throw it down upon the Lord, and he did. And God started to heal. God started to heal. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Brother Jimmy, come to the piano. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. I want you to take a little piece of paper. If you've got your bulletin, that little inside flap tears out. Or just, or you just tear off a corner or uh, whatever. Or just look in your Bibles, take your notepad, whatever you've got to do. Now, friends, listen to me. We're close to the finish line. We're close to the finish line. This is not a place where we can get turned around. It's not a place where we can get distracted. It's not a place where we can just sit and spin our wheels. I was in a parking lot the other day doing some business, and I noticed right in that parking lot, somebody had done a big burnout. I mean, just sat right in place and spun their wheels and spun their wheels and spun their wheels. We're so close to the finish line, we can't afford to sit and spin our wheels. We've got to be doing something for the Lord. And the tool the enemy uses is he consumes our heart with worry. He consumes our hearts with trouble. He consumes our hearts with anxieties. And either we believe there's a bomb in Gilead or there's no healing to be found at all in Jesus. We've got to believe that faith can cure that worry and anxiety that so often besets us. I want you to do something. It's been years since I've done this. Get ready. You're going to have to think really hard. I want you to write on that piece of paper. I want you to write down. No, I'm not even going to say every time. I'm going to ask you to write down one time that the Lord has failed you. Write down one time that the Lord has failed you. Nobody's writing. Let me say it like this. Write down one time that God's not give you the provision you need to get you through the trial or the struggle that you're going through. Write that down. One time God's failed to meet your need in your anxiety, in your worry, or in your trouble. Now if you've wrote down something, then the invitation's not for you. But if your paper's like mine was this morning, it's still empty. Because you can't think of a time He's failed you. 
You can't think of a time He's not come through and delivered you. You can't think of a time that He didn't give you what you needed when you needed it the most. If that little piece of paper is still empty, then you that's your invitation this morning. You ought to come to this altar. And you ought to know that if He's never failed you in the past, you ought to know that if He's never met your needs, if He's never failed to meet your needs in the past, then you ought to know that if every time you needed Him, He's been there, then you must know from that little blank page in your hands right now that the worry, that the trouble, that the anxiety that may consume your mind this morning, He'll be faithful to the end with you because He cares for you. That little piece of paper is empty. You ought to come today. Stand. Brother Jimmy, sing for us. Come. I cast all my cares, he cares for you. you. Yes, you. Yes, you. And I lay every burden. Yes, you. I lay it all down. down at your feet. Lay it all down. Don't you carry none of it out Many of here. times. I don't know. Thank you, Lord. What to do? So, Lord, I cast all my care upon you. Give him plenty of volume, Chip, so they can hear this. Yes. I cast all yeah. my care <laughs> upon you. So many troubles. So many worries. And I lay every burden down at your feet, and many times I don't know what to do, so Lord, I cast all my care upon you. Front all the way to the back if you need to come. You I come. cast all my care Thank you, Lord. upon you. Lay it all down, church. Yes, Lord. Lord, I lay every burden down at your feet. Though many times I don't know what to do, yes, Lord, Lord yes. I cast all my cares upon you. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and I'll trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. Hurt me if I touched that baby. All to thee. It hurt me if I tried to jerk that baby out of his arms. That's what he does to us. I surrender. He loves you. He loves you that much. 
That's what he does. And he does it well. He does it well if we'll let him care for us. He'll never fail. Lord, he'll never fail. I cast all my cares upon yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give me just keep praying. There's still some over here praying. Upon you. Thank you, Lord. I lay all my burdens, Lord, down at your feet. Yes. And many times when I don't know what to do, Lord, I cast all my cares upon you. Say something, you obey the Lord, say it really fast. 